Love Hello, everybody. Oh, no, not quite. Hello, everybody. It is uh, March 12th, and uh, this is uh, Ursula Pottinger, and I'm here with my um, wonderful business partner and friend, Anne Betts, and uh, this is the neuroscience of effectiveness, and particularly today, looking at stress. So, I think, um, first of all, hi, Anne. Hi, How are you doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm packing to to go to Florida to lead a retreat with you. So you know, stress is is uh, something that uh, definitely is in my space. And you know, we were talking about this beforehand, and just saying, you know, why do we want to do a show about stress? And it's it's one of those things that's almost like you can't talk too much about it because it's so prevalent for all of us in our world today. There's just it's like there's no way around it. Yeah, and uh, you know, it, it's uh, as I've been pondering uh, this show. I what I really was aware of is that uh, no matter how much I know about stress, and no matter how many tools I have to look at it, and to also sometimes you know shift some of the the feelings that come with it and the body sensations, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. Uh, it, it sometimes feels it doesn't matter how much I know about it. <laughs> You know, it's and I, I, I know, I know it feels that way. I know it feels that way, and I think that's probably true for a lot of people. I, I actually think that's probably not true. I think that the, the, and the research would bear this out, that having the knowledge about stress and understanding how it's working in the body actually does help us manage it better. And I think, you know, for those of you, those of our listeners that have been on other shows with us or people who know our work, we won't talk a lot today about the seven levels of effectiveness. But one of the things I know is as we move to higher levels of effectiveness, the way that we manage and deal with stress and the way that we're able to recover from stress really shifts. And I think what's what's true is that we never stop feeling it, but we gain an increased ability to um, bring ourselves back to center. So I think that... Yes. I think you I think same, you're <laughs> you're you're right. I think you're right and I think that uh, certainly what what I know and what I feel is that the more I know what my zone is and what balance and center feels like as it relates to um you know stress and stimulation and all that the more I long for that zone and yeah. the more I know when I'm not there. So it's you maybe know. that is what I'm feeling is knowing how great it is when I am in this flow <laughs> and even the smallest, a slight little, you know, tip to one side or the other, um, really, uh, you know, my, my awareness is just so much higher and therefore I think I feel it maybe a little bit more intense. Oh my gosh, I think that's a really, really good point and I really resonate to that. So if you think about it, you know, for our listeners, if you think about it, if you, if when people are in a constant state of stress and it's just normal, it's very hard to know, you know, to, to recognize and mm-hmm. actually recenter yourself if you don't understand what center is. It reminds me of there's an aspect of depression called dysthymia. And what dysthymia is, is people live with this their whole lives and are often not diagnosed. It's just a general feeling of not feeling very good. And yeah. if you have dysthymia, it's, it's, it can be hard to treat because what feels normal is not actually what's possible for a human being. It's not happy. 
It's just sort mm-hmm. of not so bad. Mm-hmm. So people get under-treated for something like that. And I think the same is true of stress. If you, you know, if it's just normal to feel a little anxious all the time, you may not even notice that you're feeling anxious. Well, and I certainly have heard as well from some of my clients, uh, and, 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 and and you know that, and also people in our workshop, some people actually say, well, what would I do without it? What, you know, I mean, if, if I didn't have the anxiety and the stress and the overload, like, what, what would happen? <laughs> right, I wouldn't, and, and in fact, some people really resist this. It's like they, we've, they sort of adopted, this is what makes me feel alive. So let's talk a little bit about the, the, the biochemical nature of stress and yes. what do we mean by stress and maybe I should I just do a little bit of a what Dan Siegel would call a blast about that just a yes, couple of minutes sounds great. on that yep. okay I'll do that um, we have talked before on this show about the prefrontal cortex, which we um, love the image that it is the Goldilocks of the brain, which we didn't invent um, because we're not neuroscientists, but it's just brilliant. So the prefrontal cortex is the highest part of our brain. It's the last to develop evolutionarily, and it's the last to develop developmentally You know, as we're growing up. Um, It's the place where we make focused decisions. We think about long-term impact. We have more empathy. We actually have empathy. We can do self-control. It's really the place that, you know, to, to make it quite overly simple, it's the place we really think from and don't react as much from. This part of our brain needs a very careful chemical balance. And the dominant chemicals we're talking about for those brain geeks like me and Ursula are dopamine, which is our happy drug, and norepinephrine, which is the adrenaline of the brain. And that's often when we are feeling sort of the feeling of stress or even excitement, what we're reacting to is norepinephrine in the brain and adrenaline in the body. So what the prefrontal cortex likes is just enough, but not too much. So it's like mm-hmm. Goldilocks. <laughs> this porridge is too hot. <laughs> this porridge is too cold. So it we need. So people are right when they say we need a certain amount of stress. Or Ursula, you know, there's. She, I love this. She brought this in a while ago. That. Um, uh, we can also call it stimulation because stress has such a negative connotation. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. it's not necessarily negative but we call it stress or stimulation. And when the brain doesn't have enough, it becomes sort of disengaged as it, do, it, it loses those higher functions of long-term planning, um, uh, self-control, uh, good memory, encoding, and retrieval. It loses that if it doesn't have enough norepinephrine and dopamine, and it also loses that if it has too much. And that, if you can think of it as an upside-down U, where both points of the U, an upside-down horseshoe, where both ends go to the same place, this whether it's not enough or whether it's too much. And this is what we we typically think of in stress. We think of the overload, right? What I would yeah. call sort of the, the right side of the horseshoe. Oh, my gosh, I went over the top to too much. And yeah. what we what the brain wants is this wonderful balance right in the middle of just enough stimulation so we're awake and aware and excited and turned on, but not so much that it actually has us... Um, overwhelmed. And when I think we'll probably today talk mostly about that side of the horseshoe, right, Ursula? 
Yeah, that's because uh, I'm certainly not bored. <laughs> I am no. I am more. I'm more over to the other side. Yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah. It really, that really resonates um, most for me. And it's really interesting. And I mean, I rarely talk to people who say, you know, I feel, I feel, I don't feel good because I'm bored. It's more the other, the other end. It's an interesting thing, and I, this makes me think of, I think you're right, and this also makes me think of one of our friends who had this big aha in a workshop, which was, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, I'm on both sides. I'm overly stressed about things I don't really ultimately care about very much. Yeah. So I'm, yep. I'm sort of bored by what I'm doing because I'm doing all of this work that isn't really my heart's desire, but I've got way too much of it, and I think that's actually really typical. Yes, I, I, I would, I would agree that uh, it's, it's, it's too much of things that doesn't, uh, doesn't give us any passion or um, inspiration. Where it's really more of either routine or just things that we, sh- that are a lot of shoulds. We should yeah, do this. Yeah, a lot of shoulds. We must do this. Or you know, people get into jobs where they get sort of trapped into the, um, into yeah. the money. You know, making money doing this. Yes. Um, I, yep. I actually, it's funny, using this, I use this a lot, I use this curve a lot with clients, and if you, I will put this out on our website, so if you go to beaboveleadership.com, I'll make a blog post about this, and you can see the curve visually after the show, so beaboveleadership.com. Be mm-hmm. um, but I use this a lot, it's one of my favorite tools with clients, and I was talking to a new a new client, and I'm getting bolder and bolder the more I know about the brain, and and he was talking about he wanted some help with marketing. And and really what I could see was that he wasn't in touch with meaning and purpose in his life. And I said, I had showed him this curve, and I said, you know, frankly, if we end up talking about marketing, we're both going to be on the left side of the curve. <laughs> My brains, I'm going to be bored, and so will you. Let's talk about purpose and meaning oh, that instead. Is, that is, that's <laughs> precious. That really is, and and it is so true. Um, I'm curious about something as we yeah. talk about, uh, you know, particularly also dopamine, the happy mm-hmm. drug. In, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I am aware that when I go to the other side, when I go to the overload, and and I, it is really true for me as well that uh, that, that stimulation or that stress really happens when I do too many things that really don't have meaning for me. Mm-hmm. So it really, mm-hmm. you know, I. I I don't get overloaded by too much work. I get overloaded by things that, you know, don't don't make me happy. Yeah. So so yeah. I would imagine that I have a little bit of a lack of dopamine. It could be so, and that could that could be what our friend was pointing to and I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't think the studies have been done with that degree of subtlety about mm-hmm. um the, the purpose and meaning, but that might be one theory, Ursula, that you're pointing to that you get with these not enough of too much of the wrong thing, that you're getting too much norepinephrine but not enough dopamine. Mm-hmm. That could it could be I don't know for sure. Be very interesting and I think very difficult. It's interest. It's easy to stress people out. You know, you just tell them they have to go speak in public and then they're all stressed out and then you can measure their brain chemicals. <laughs> I do not want to be responsible for that study. <laughs> right. It's really funny. I mean, that's the number one thing that stresses people out is speaking in public. And um, Anyway, uh, but I think it would be really harder to do the subtlety of this 
not yes. enough of the wrong, uh, sorry, I keep saying not enough, but too much of the wrong thing. You know, yeah. I'm aware of the same thing. I can go, I have much greater resilience to keep going and, and you know, you know I, I work really, I work really hard, but I've never yes. been more alive and happy in my life. And I'm generally not stressed out because what I'm doing, um, I work for myself so I have control over it. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And mm-hmm. it's also my passion. So I am, it is, I am engaged in it in purpose and meaning. Um, so, but I will say a couple of weeks ago, I have an example of going over the curve. Um, I was up in Toronto, or as they say up there, Toronto, um, and I did three, even, three talks in a row. And they were all high stakes for me, keynotes and and big audiences. And I did, you know, Tuesday, or mm-hmm. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And I came home and I realized I was, and then I had to turn around and leave again in like four days. I was home for four days. I was over the top. And it was over the top with with stuff I loved and cared about. And I at one point I was on the phone with my um I was trying to settle an insurance claim and I was so it was so hard for me to emotionally regulate during mm-hmm. that time and I got off the phone and I started to cry cuz I didn't get my way. Um, <laughs> and I thought this is not like me and I really yeah. this was so helpful for me when you talk about, you know, how do we come back from this? Was mm-hmm. having this image and just knowing it's okay you know, saying to myself, it's okay sweetheart, you are over the curve. Yeah. You're over yeah, the curve. Yeah, it is it really is uh, helpful um it, you know it's it's interesting um uh, about the tears because this happened to me just a couple of days ago you know my husband has been traveling and i've been you know running go 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 and mom's here and you know all Toby that and the then dog. i got, Toby the dog and then i got rear-ended on friday which uh, right. you know talk about talk about stress but what was interesting that in the midst of all this, my husband sends me a picture from uh, his travels, and he had a sort of a little mini re- reunion with his brothers. Mm. So he sends the pictures of the four of them, and I open it in my phone, and I make it a little bigger so I can really see him, and I look at him standing there, and I started to cry. There was yeah. this, 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 in this, this overload, this, you know, and all of a sudden I'm focusing on this, this person that is so much part of my life but isn't there, sort of yeah. like the rock to, to yeah. which I could potentially cling in the storm. Yes, <laughs> I love that image. Your rock is it, gone. You're just I do. I do. You, you know, my car is broken and insurance claims, and I'm dealing with all that, and I'm looking at him and stands there all smiling. And it was the same. There is a, there was a. That it, it felt like such a vulnerable, uh, weak spot in my, in my heart, no. that I just, I just, I just sat on the stairs and cried. Wow. <laughs> and you know, you know what I really want to tease out from this is, is, um, you know, nothing wrong with crying. And it's not that if you had been more balanced in your prefrontal cortex, you could have, you know, manned up and put on your big girl underwear and all of that. Um, but it's just that we're, we are, we have a greater capacity to naturally inhibit 
Mm-hmm. being taken over by some of our more emotional reactions. And there's nothing wrong with our emotional reactions. Now, you, if, if it had been a different time, you might have just been touched. Yes. But be, because your brain was a little out of balance, it yes. kind of went to a little more overwhelming state. Yes. As it yep. did for me. If it, had, if it had been a normal time with the insurance agent, I would have just been irritated. But yes. instead I felt bereft. <laughs> yes, it's interesting. You felt bereft, and I felt bereft as yes. well, <laughs> in, yes. a different, in a different, uh, the different way. Now you, um, you, you, uh, you uttered the word control. Yeah, um, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that because I know that has a huge impact on you know stimulation and stress and our response to it. So um, let's talk a little bit more about how that impacts us. Well, let's. Um, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go to a bigger, even a bigger context. I think, which is because um, we have, you know, maybe 15 more minutes to talk about this. I want to. You know, we've talked about stress. I always think it's funny whenever Ursula, whenever you and I introduce the topic of stress, which we do. I think it's in our second module of our advanced coaching series. We go really deep into this whole arena um, because every, you know, it's sort of like. All we have to do is say is stress. Everybody knows what it is. We don't need to. A big sigh. Yeah, it's a big sigh in the room. (laughs) We got that one. So what we have discovered and what I have um, researched in terms of the neuroscience is that um, there seem to be about six ways that are range in effectiveness in terms of dealing Mm -hmm. with stress. And so let's just go through that because control does yeah. come in there. Yes. So what's you know the first one? You why don't you just share the first one? And I love oh my gosh, one. I love that the the first yeah. one in terms of least effectiveness yes. is uh, suppression, right. um, basically <laughs> ignoring, <laughs> ignore well, that you're stressed, ignore how you feel, <laughs> push it down, you know, push it down and say it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> you walk into the meeting and you're stressed out or you're pissed off at whoever, and, and you know how you do. Today I'm good. It's all good. I'm fine. I'm all fine. I'm fine. <laughs> fine. You know that. I'm fine. How are you? Fine. It's like we love it when our those of you are coaches. You know this. We just love it when our when our clients say, "How are you today? I'm fine." And you can just hear in their voice, yeah. "Oh my gosh!" It's like you you just know they're suppressing something. And the yes. the research behind this basically says this is pretty good stuff, you guys. This is not effective at all. It's counterproductive. And what will happen when you suppress is that your blood pressure goes up, markers of stress go up in your body, so your body always knows the truth. Um, Ursula and I like to joke that the more we study the brain, the more um, respect we have for the body. Um, <laughs> and other people's bodies know the truth. So if Ursula comes in and she's stressed out and she just says she's fine and won't talk about it, which would be, you know, would mean that I don't have Ursula with me, but I have a pod person. Um, <laughs> she will always, she knows better than that. But if we're in a meeting and she's stressed out, her blood pressure has gone up, mine will go up too. We impact. I find other. that just so 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 amazing. You know, we might want to maybe talk about mirror neurons in one of our next calls yeah, because yeah, really our good. ability to tap into each other and feel each other, you know, is is so um, finely tuned. Um, yeah. As and and through mirror neurons and through there's another wonderful study. You know, it's really the idea that you can sort of and I think you know most of the more most of our audiences is, is really sophisticated and you guys know yes. this or sense this anyway but um 
our the idea that how I feel is just my own business and separate to me is frankly excuse excuse my language utter bullshit. Mm-hmm. Can yes. I say that on the air? <laughs> I guess I can say. That I on think the we might have just been. Yeah, exactly. That was that. The reason being that we 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 had we'll talk another time about mirror neurons, but we also just like dogs, we can smell it. We it's below yes. consciousness. But if I am around someone through, it's actually, and there's some studies around this using sweat from people who sweated from not being stressed and from being stressed. And then they had volunteers come in and, and do a sniff test. Now, they couldn't <laughs> smell any difference, and the sweat didn't smell bad. But they just did the sniff, and what they, then they measured their blood and saliva. And from the sweat that was created through running on a treadmill, the volunteers had no physical reaction. But when they smelled the T-shirts of people who who had to give a talk in front of a group of people, again, not one of the biggest stressors, the volunteers who smelled these T-shirts, their um, cortisol levels went up, which is an indicator of stress in the body. That's and also very damaging. And damaging to have cortisol going into your... You don't want that um, in a healthy body. So, Yeah, no, that's yeah. really... That is really... That's fascinating. I mean, uh, how sensitive our bodies are to to those signals is just absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, amazing? And you know, this this whole suppression thing or the, the this you know, ignoring it's all fine. It really it really what what it really shows me is that because we have such an impact on other people, um when we you know, we think, oh, we're doing the world a good deed when we say, oh, it's all fine and I'm fine, but we actually don't. It would be a better, we would be more in service of the world if we would confess. Yeah. And say, I'm stressed. I'm stressed. I'm stressed. I just want to be present to that. Yeah, just let me honor that. And that brings us to the next most effective, which is naming it. Just naming your emotion and saying, you know what, I'm stressed out today. And I'm committed, you know, and then you can say, and I'm committed to being here. I'll set that aside. But naming it um, is a, is the first thing, and it's often like how we would start a coaching call. We would, you know, just have the person tell the truth about where they are. It's really, really helpful because it gets it out of the suppression arena. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then the next most effective is back to control. Yes, controlling the environment if you can. <laughs> yes, if you can, if you can. I, I love this one, and we often say it's the it's the – it's number three on our list, or number two of the effective strategies, but it's, it also it can be the most effective thing. So if you are stressed out by something and you don't encounter it, then you don't, you're not stressed out. If you're stressed out by your taxes and you don't have to do them, <laughs> you, get, you, know, you never have to encounter that, somebody else takes that over, then um, you have eradicated the stress. Yeah. Right? It's, a little, it's a little different when you live with it. Or you have to live with it, right? <laughs> right. You know, so, in form of a person, or <laughs> right, right. You know, that's the problem. Well, and, yeah. and I, I think about this. And when I first, when I first saw this, and I saw, well, controlling the environment is, is you know, really effective for stress. I sort of went, you know, right. And then I realized, no, this is a great strategy because it is helpful to say, can if this is if my job is stressing me out. And I'm, you know, and I feel like I'm being badly treated, or you know, there's I'm doing the work of two people, and I can make a change. That's mm-hmm. really positive. 
Yes. Or if my yep. commute is stressing me out and I make some positive changes, work at home a couple days a week or move closer, get a different job, I have uh, that's a really positive, self-affirming thing to do. And I think helping people, I think it's really important to help people realize that they do have more control often than they think. We think we don't, oh, I just can't do anything about it. Well, really? Seriously? Oftentimes we can if you're willing to take a stand. Well, and I think even um, uh, entertaining the possibility that we have some uh, control over uh, managing certain things, I think even that can uh, help us, you know, sort of just get a calmer perspective on uh, on the situation or on yeah. life as it unfolds, uh, you know, in the in the present moment. Just knowing, oh, you know, I have choices. I can yes. do something about it. Um, really, you know, really helps. And I think you know, this, huge amount. This, this goes back to exactly. I love that. This goes back to you know your original, our original point about you know we always have stress and it starts being a little different and recovery is different at the higher levels of consciousness because one of the things that happens as we go to higher levels of consciousness is we let go of our victim story. Which yeah. means instead of being the victim of this stressful thing, I am looking more at how do I want to create my life. Mm-hmm. And not going to, oh, well, it just is that way, I have to do this. People at higher levels of consciousness, the idea that I have to, people start saying things like, well, I'm choosing, I'm aware that I'm choosing to. And if you can choose to do one thing, you can choose to do another. Now, there may be consequences, but you start dancing with that in a different way. Does this make sense, Ursula, what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. It makes total sense uh, total sense to me. I had a, a, a coaching conversation um, with a client who, you know, was a little bit in this either-or state. Well, if I do this, this would be lovely. This would be lovely. But if I think about the next thing that is, you know, complete, you know, complete complete that that's a that's a stress i there's nothing i can do about it and when she realized that it actually she could break it down into small bits and these small bits would give her control it really i could hear the the yeah. there was a deep breath and saying oh i don't have to you know have it all figured out but if i do this one small thing that in itself would you know really really help me get get on the road to the you know to the zone yeah, I I love that. I think it's it's one of the things David Rock says control is one of the five things and I won't go through his whole thing, but it's it, he calls it the scarf model and you can google it if you're interested and David Rock is a, a teacher of the neuroscience of leadership and quite a brilliant man and uh he ta- he says control is one of the five things that human beings long for the most. Five most yeah. important things. And yeah. so if you can help people figure out how they have control, it is profoundly um, helpful yeah. in terms of stress. But yes. as you said, we can't, I mean, the, the reason that I, when I first read this, I went, oh, control, is because it can go, it can it can stress us out even more because yeah. if you feel like it's your only answer, well, good luck to you because there's a whole heck of a lot in life you can't control. Yeah, yeah. Like getting rear-ended well, or, or and an it, insurance it, it, agent. <laughs> 
Well, and it it can actually become, uh, as you say, it it can become an additional stressor because I have seen, um, you know, people who then are really trying to put all these structures in place that give them control, and then life still has a has a way of being out of control, and then they feel guilty or they they feel they haven't done enough, and that is then, you know, it's another uh, wheel in the hamster wheel cage. So it it yes it. It's only effective in certain areas. Yeah, it's so, one, let's go it's to the one, Yeah, it's one strategy of, of yeah. many. Yeah. So, so if you can't control, one, what do we what do? What do we do? Well, <laughs> another another um, uh, thing that they found in the research that really will reduce stress and reduce the, the biochemical markers of stress. So the research that we're giving you is not social science research, which is fabulous and wonderful, and there's lots out there. This is really neuroscience and biochemical research. So saying not just somebody reports that they feel less stress, but let's actually see what their body is doing. Because when we feel that that stress or that tension, it's a it's a it's a chemical response in our body. It's the feeling mm-hmm. of butterflies in the stomach or, mm-hmm. you know, the heart pounding or, you know, not being clear headed. All of these are chemical. So that's what we're measuring here. So the next one is reflecting on values and purpose has mm-hmm. been shown to calm down stress. Yeah. Isn't that great? I I love that. It's just so I cool. mean, it is such a spaciousness around yeah. that. Uh, you know, looking at what's important and what's the big picture here. Yeah. It adds it adds this open window when you know when when you know when I'm in the dark tunnel, all of a sudden the light bulb goes on. Yeah, and it's the thing we lose because it's more a function of the right hemisphere of the brain. Mm-hmm. So it's the thing we lose when we get very much like, okay, got to get this done, I got to get that done. Okay, come on, and everybody get your shoes on and let's go. And but you know, we forget for the sake of what we're doing it, mm-hmm. why we're mm-hmm. doing this who we want to be and so this reflection takes us to as you say this kind of spacious part it's also the case that and i love this that any time you know stress is what happens with stress and again think of this curve the more chemicals we have going on in our brain um we go to the lower part it's designed to kind of take us out of this higher thinking part of the brain and get us more into the fight or flight reaction mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if you're you know, if you think about the ultimate stress, it's like, oh, my God, we're all going to die. And you need, you know, the saber-toothed tiger. And you actually need to be able to react very quickly without thinking. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's what happens. So oftentimes when we need to be able to think like we get that email that we don't like and we react yeah. very quickly, not helpful. Yeah. So what you want to do is get back to your conscious brain because your prefrontal cortex when it's balanced is going to be thinking about what makes the most sense here not mm-hmm. just what's going to protect you yeah that's the you know it's, brain. Uh, it's it's interesting um you know i want to I, mean, I have this uh, really this example of you know being rear-ended in in a, in, in a, this was such a powerful um, example of you know how the brain works and and the impact on the body, um, because I you know the 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 on the moment of impact you know I sort of lose two or three seconds I really have no idea what's going on you know where it's all coming from what it's happening and I could feel that you know the the rush of uh, first freeze 
And then, <laughs> I mean, I definitely was frozen, and I was sitting in the car thinking, oh, you know, what happened now? I've, I have no idea. Um, to a, a mixture, it was for me a mixture of, of fight, yeah. <laughs> getting out of the car and yelling at the woman who yeah. lamped into me. And then it, what was really interesting, I, you know, my higher brain kicked in and said, oh, well, it, you know, nobody got hurt. We're all fine. You know, it's, it's, I was really had to look at all the, the positive things. It wasn't okay. raining. There wasn't a snowstorm, you know. Okay, so let me go there for a second. That's just great because that's the next item on our list. So, and then I'll talk about what happens chemically in the brain. So the next, the next most effective is reframing, yeah. taking, and that's exactly what you did. And look at now. This is again, the more we go above the line, the greater our capacity to naturally do these things. So nobody had to sit down with you in a coaching session and say, "Well, Ursula, what would be another way of looking at this?" You automatically said, "Oh, hold on a minute. It's just a car. Everybody seems to be okay. Yeah. It's not raining. We will deal with this." I, you weren't in a hurry to get anywhere. You could figure it out. That's a reframe, and that is the second. That second from the top in terms of the most helpful way to manage stress. Both reflecting on values and reframing and probably also naming, which was our first one. Naming, reflecting, reframing is what we've got so far. What they do is they activate. The, so you've gone into your limbic system and fight or flight, mm-hmm. I'm going to go yell yeah. at this woman. Yeah. What, what reframing does is it brings your higher brain online. And when that happens, your higher brain releases a chemical called GABA, G-A-B-A, yeah short for something, which I can never exactly remember, but you can Google it, (laughs) GABA. And Dan Siegel, our hero, likes to say GABA is Pepto-Bismol for the brain. Mm -hmm. It is the chief inhibitory neurotransmitter. What that means is GABA calms down the Mm -hmm. adrenaline and cortisol and gets us back to this state of balance, which you did. You went to your, got out of your limbic system, went to your higher brain, GABA squirting down, and you're probably having the physical sensations of trembling and all of that are calming down. Yeah, it, 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 it was, uh, it was interesting because I could feel, you know, the rest of my body was sort of uh, catching up. Yeah. Um, with, with sort of with, with the, the, you know, with the GABA, the only, the only thing that couldn't catch up quite as quickly was my stomach. I mean, it yeah. really, I could yeah. feel like the nausea, uh, stayed with me. I mean, it took about an hour and, about yeah. an hour and, a, and an hour and a half before I really felt that the rest of my body was, had sort of, down again. Has, well, yeah, I had sort of caught up. Um, how how lucky we are that you just went through this so we have, you know, our own little I laboratory <laughs> guinea pig here. Well, what they say, what I have actually heard is a good dose of stress and the chemicals, the adrenaline and the cortisol yeah. will, can take up to 24 hours to leave your body. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, I think that is also part of the, the challenge if we are in a lot of stress and continuously because the, these chemicals don't leave our bodies really quickly. And right. then I think there is a double whammy. I mean, stress builds upon stress and it really expands and makes that all, you know, it makes that cocktail more potent and the impact well, on the body harder and harder. 
That's exactly right, and that's why people get into this sort of um, stress state, because if you can't have the time to really recover, you just keep building. So let's yeah. talk about the last, the most effective, and this is really um, what, you know, I really see the worlds of science and and spirituality coming together, because mm-hmm. mindful, mindfulness mm-hmm. is the most effective uh, way of managing stress, not only in the moment, but by by being mindful, you build a brain that can more easily manage stress ongoingly. And you know, and I talked about being, you know, doing this, having this wonderful time in Toronto, really wonderful, and then coming home and just being on this edge of, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Plus, then I had to pack to go lead a lead with you in in California. Um, so what I did at that moment, I just knew I was crying, and I thought, I don't care how much I have to do, I can't do yeah. anything. So I meditated. Yeah, and in fact, yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's really it really is is interesting. I also want to say that uh, you know, particularly for the listeners that uh, either don't want to meditate or you know you know have certain. Um, perspectives on meditation. Really, what I have found is that meditation can take on mindfulness. Meditation can take on many forms. Um, You know, a nice 10-minute walk in, you know, looking at nature, sitting on a bench and, and, you know, observing, you know, animals. Um, That that is mindfulness. Uh, You know, if you, you can be, if it, you it, hang on though, if you can yeah. be present, if you can be even, present, even yeah. going for a, now a walk will also help because it'll get some oxygen going. But if you are then like spinning over the bad thing that happened to you, you know that that won't help. But I love what you're saying that it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be Zen meditation. It doesn't have to be empty your mind. There are, and this is what I'd love to see becoming more aware in the world, that mindfulness, as you say, there are many, many ways to be mindful. One of my favorite ways, and I know it has really changed my brain, uh, my mindfulness technique mostly is that I would, I send a, um, a tentacle of awareness from my higher brain down into my body. And I do this all the time every day. It's become a habit where I'm just checking in to see what my core is feeling. I'm just like checking in on my stress level. I don't do anything about it. I just notice it. And so I'm, I've got this continual sort of walking awareness of my inner state. Now, I'm not sitting down. I do I do do, do some meditation otherwise, but, you know, the way I look at it is I'm really making an effort to be mindful all day, every day by checking in with my body. And it is, in terms of what it does in the brain, it it builds the connections that are simi- that are the same as if I were sitting in, you know, zazen meditation in a in a Zen monastery. Yeah, that's a that's a wonderful um, that's a wonderful example because I know that what stops people from meditating is that that um, is the perspective that I need you know I need forty five minutes of absolute peace and quiet. Right. Um, you know there can't be any children, dogs, right, husbands, right, boyfriends, right. girlfriends, telephones, or anything like that around. And and for for a lot of people that's really that's a hard hurdle to overcome. But knowing that mindfulness is really checking in and being present to the body, what goes in, like as you describe it, the check-in. And for me, 
you know, emptying my mind has never. I mean, I've got an. I have an active brain. I mean, you're you know, a Gemini. I'm, you can't I'm possibly a Gemini. empty your no. mind. There's way no. too much in there. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I am a Gemini. That is just not going to happen. Not in this lifetime, anyway. Right. And not as long as I'm. I'm an, an embodied Gemini. It's just not good. Right. Um, but what? But what is? What is helpful is focusing my mind on something that is not stressful. So a picture or a, an image or um, and really, you know, just focusing on that and breathing that in and, you know, putting oxygen into my body because emptying my mind is just going to be so frustrating. It just puts me into It'll a situation of stress. Well, yeah. and I think, I think this is a really good point that um, the other thing that I often point people towards is go on YouTube, Google guided meditation, play around till you find something you want, mm-hmm. even if it's eight minutes. You know, the other day when, with the insurance agent, I needed to get on a coaching call. And so I had about 15 minutes. So I went to YouTube and I found a 12-minute meditation and it absolutely did the trick. It got my you know, parasympathetic nervous system sort of you know, in line. It got my breathing uh, got my breathing focused. It got me kind of back to center. I'm sure got some GABA going and some other things so that by the time I came out of that, I was fine. You know, the busier that we get, I've been aware of, there's a saying attributed to uh, Gandhi where he said, oh, my goodness, I'm so busy, I must go meditate. And I've yes. also heard that the Dalai Lama, if he's got a really busy day, will get up earlier to do more mm-hmm. meditation. And I've yeah. always sort of thought, oh, that's interesting. But now as I get busier, I am aware that it's like a workout. You know, yeah. it's like not neglecting my exercise. I am not going to be able to keep going in the world the way I want to without taking that connecting time. So. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's absolutely true. I uh, read an uh, article about Deepak Chopra the other day, and he gets up at five in the morning uh, to get in a really an extensive time of meditation and yoga and journaling, and he really carves out this time for himself. And I, I thought that is uh, such that is gr- such great time spent on really aligning your mind, your body, and your spirit. So that, I love that. Uh, so that the body and that that all the parts of of the human being uh, can you know can really work well, um, and we can bring ourselves into the world not with a stress energy that people do feel, but with a karma energy that will also you know impact um, pe- uh, impact people. The other thing, and I wanted to mention. Well, hang on, that briefly. was good. No, but hold on. That was don't okay. go past that. Because, um, and then then you can say something briefly, and then I'll say something briefly, and then we'll be done. Um, just to stress us out here. But, you, but the, you know, we talked about how we get impacted by each other's stress. It's mm-hmm. also true we get impacted by each other's calmness. Yes. And bringing a calm emotional field and being centered. I just didn't want to let that go, what you said about this is you're not just doing it for yourself. Mm-hmm. You're doing it for the world. The calmer you can walk in the world, the more spacious you can be, you know, also has this amazing impact. And I, I want to say one other thing about that, too. You know, the uh, just about the, the, you know, getting up early and meditating and, t- you know, all of that. I also want to make clear that we get to the point of diminishing returns. And even when you're super busy and you know yes. you've got you know x yep. amount of hours more to do, stop there. 
take 10 minutes, you will be much more efficient in the you know, ensuing hours than if you plowed through. You, your brain will be sharper. You'll be more able to get things mm. done. Don't push yourself to the point where your brain gets into this overwhelming state where you're foggy and you're not as good. Stop now. Even if you can't get up at 5 a.m., take 15 minutes in the afternoon. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's absolutely true, and it's a, it's a dis- that's really a discipline to develop is to um, to love yourself enough that that will always come first, and really standing in the conviction that when you do that, you are more in service of other people than if you would ignore it and, as mm. you say, plow through. And that is a discipline I had to learn. You know, the the German in me is, is far more <laughs> wired to plow through. Um, yes. So it's, it's taken me a while to really say, no, plowing through is not in service of anybody, but uh, yeah. uh, taking care of yourself um, is a much better is a much better undertaking. You know, what I'm noticing also, and this has something to do, I'm sure, also with, uh, you know, the naming it, the reframing it, the reflecting on it, that in the last 45 minutes, I have become a lot calmer than I was when I first came to the call. Uh, there is, you know, a, there is a lot going on. You'll be arriving tonight, which is just a delight. Um, we have a training. You know, there's a lot of particles. My car needs to go into into the garage today to have its little injuries fixed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there is a lot going on, and I did feel stressed out. Mm. But this this reflecting on this naming it, this being present to it. Mm. Um, you know, this breathing into it with you on this call, I mean, the proof is in this call. Yeah, that's I am wonderful. so much calmer. I feel so much better. So if the listeners, if you do nothing else but find a good buddy who doesn't collude <laughs> with you but is a good listener, who helps you reframe, who helps you be present to it, not to ramp it up but to be calm, find that person and, you know, and and reflect on it. That's great. That's just great. You know, and I was aware of something in the call, too, because I was thinking, okay, Ursula was going to say something. I had something to say, and then we got to wrap up, and I was thinking, oh, my gosh, even in that moment, who I'm being is you know, not is not present. I mean, I'm sort of in this like, okay, we have to get it done, which is creating stress. And so it's for me, it's, it's this remembering in every moment, oh, I don't, it's a choice. I will actually get done what needs to get done. It's a choice yes. whether I'm going to be crazed about it or whether I'm going to be calm about it, and I will be more effective if I'm calm about it. Things will get done more easily. So wonderful well, call on today. This fabulous, on this fabulous note, uh, uh, thank you couple, to everybody. A couple of things, though. I want to yep. actually let people know what we're up to. Great, so please do. Just, yeah, just to let you let you all know, if you didn't know, Ursula, uh, well, I'm not. I think it'll just be me now. I'm going to be speaking in Atlanta for uh, the Coaches Training Institute on March 27th. So if you're down there, there'll be an evening session, 6:30 to 9:30. Um, we will be. Oh my gosh, we're starting a wonderful uh, new series, the Neuroscience of Coaching, uh, the Neuroscience of um, it's, what is it? Neuroscience. <laughs> neuroscience. Neuroscience. 
neuroscience consciousness and transformational <laughs> coaching, which is our advanced coaching program. We're starting that in Toronto in April. Um, that yes. class is full, but we have a special fast-track version, which will be starting in May, and you can look on our website for that. We will be in London in June also doing this advanced coaching program. Uh, we're speaking at the Midwest ICF Conference in June. In and Minneapolis. In yep. Minneapolis, yep. Uh, we're doing a retreat in uh, August in California. We've got just tons of wonderful stuff on our website. So please check us out at beaboveleadership.com. And as I said, if you give me a little bit of time a little later in the day, I will put up that wonderful drawing of the Goldilocks curve, the prefrontal cortex, so you can see it visually. Um, but that's what we're up to. Yep, and I want to just add uh, one event um, that uh, that will be taking place in California, in uh, Corte Madera. Uh, we will be there on in. Uh, oh, I don't have April the 25th. date. April twenty fifth. April twenty fifth. Right? Yep. yep. April twenty fifth, and it's also an an evening session. So if you are at all interested in the neuroscience um, of effectiveness, consciousness, and coaching, please join us there. And as Anne said. Um, all these events, workshops, etc., etc., are on our um, on our website. If you have any questions at all, you can also email me um, at Ursula U R S U L A at beaboveleadership.com. And you, my dear, um, uh, have a good flight, and I see you, you tonight. I'll see you tonight. Thanks, everybody. Hope you have Thanks, a blessed, goodbye. Day. Bye bye. Yes. <laughs> goodbye.